This last week, as I've thought about this moment here, uh, it is not a moment that I was looking forward to, um, not a moment I was excited about when the idea of potentially offering um, a message after what we've just heard as announcements. Um, you know, initially my heart uh, said no. Um, how, do you, how do you, at the end of, of hearing those statements, uh, your closest friend and brother, uh, your pastor, uh, a mentor for 13 years, um, when we've reached this moment, um, it's an important moment. It's a moment we need to be clear on. Um, but it's been a difficult moment. I have felt in the last few months uh, shock and sadness and frustration and uncertainty. And I, I offer that to you because in these moments, I, it's important that we give ourselves permission to feel what we're feeling. Not that we're not supposed to stand on truth, because we are. But, it, it, but feelings... Feelings happen. We, we experience emotions. That's how God has wired us and created us. And in these moments, I, I want to give you permission to not just suck it up and, and move forward and, and to pretend like these things aren't real for us. Um, as I sat with this news over the last week specifically and poured through Scripture looking for a way to answer the dozens of questions that I have, the questions that you now are asking, what now, what's next, not again. Why? What happened here? What is this going to mean for my family, for my children, for myself? What, what's it going to mean? What do we do? And somewhere, as I was pouring through Scripture, I felt like God was bringing a, a word, one word, a single word to my, my mind. The word was hope. Hope, that, that hope in the midst of confusion is possible. That hope in the midst of question is possible. That, that even when all seems uncertain, there is hope. Chris, even though you can't see what's ahead, Chris, I can see what's ahead. There's hope. That even though you don't know, Chris, what this is going to mean for you, I do. I know what it's going to mean for you and your family. There's hope ahead. Chris, there's hope in me. And, and with that, and with the fact that we have hope, and it's a sure and trustworthy anchor, and I know that, that we're feeling heavy, but, but God, is, God is to be honored, is he not? God is to be praised, and he's worthy. And so in this moment, as I read his word, I, would you stand so we can honor God together uh, in this moment? I'm going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 6, verses 9 through 20, and it should be up behind me. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love for him by caring for other believers, as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. And then you will not be spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the great examples, the examples of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath 
so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. And so therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain and into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And so, Father, in these moments of uncertainty, we can still have certainty. In these moments where we are, we are unclear of what's ahead, we know that you've already gone there. And so we look to you in this moment to bring us hope, to give us hope, to fix our eyes on hope, that you alone, Jesus, are hope. And we are anchored into the presence of God by you. Help us in these moments. Help me in these moments to honor you and to honor this moment and that you would take your word and you would drive it into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be, be seated. The heading in this part of my Bible says the certainty of God's promise. I wonder, can there be certainty even when the future feels or seems or our present circumstances seem uncertain? Is it possible that there's certainty in the midst of what feels like uncertainty? I came across an article this last week, and the article was written by a journalist who earlier in his life, before he became a journalist, he was on a pilgrimage, and he was traveling, and he was, he was seeking clarity in his life, and he found himself on the doorstep of the, the House of the Dying in Calcutta, India, and it was his first morning that he was there. It was on that morning that he bumped into Mother Teresa, and after a brief exchange of, of pleasantries, Mother Teresa asked him, uh, son, is there anything I can, I can do for you? And very quickly in that moment, he said, yes, yes, Mother, would you, would you pray for me, Mother? Sure, what would you like me to pray for? I want you to pray for clarity for my life. Clarity, what's ahead? She very quickly replied, she said, no, I'm, I'm not going to pray that prayer of clarity because clarity is the last thing you're holding on to for hope. Clarity is the last thing. Answers, certainty. Tell me what's going to happen. I want to know. I can't bear to not know what's going to happen to my family or myself or my marriage or my children when they hear the news. Clarity is the last thing that we cling to for hope. And you must let go, she said. And so, no, I won't pray for that. And, she, and he, said, he said, but mother, your whole life seems to be about clarity. You have clarity for your life, mother. She said, no, no, I've never had clarity, but I have hope. I have hope, and I'm going to pray for hope, that your hope will be anchored in God, was her prayer for him. In these verses in Hebrews, the author wants us to be encouraged. This is an encouragement to Jews who are being persecuted, who are coming against times of uncertainty not knowing what was going to happen next. And the author is saying, but, but remember, remember the past. Let, let's remember what God said in the beginning. 
Let's not just hold to and look at what's happening in front of us. Let's, let's go back and remember what God did and what he said in the beginning of time. What did he say to Abraham? God wants us to know that while we and I are experiencing uncertainty, there can be hope in the midst of that. Hope for our future can be certain. He wants us to have the assurance to know that his promises will come true in your life if you are rooted in Christ. For this church, if we are rooted in the gospel and in Christ, he wants us to know that, that those promises are firmly in the hand of God and firmly for our good. Reminding us that the entire book of Hebrews is a, a look back on what God had promised. And so verse 13 and 14, for example, there was God's promise to Abraham and since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you. No question about it, Abraham. And I will multiply your descendants beyond number. A promise of certainty to bless him. A promise to multiply his descendants beyond number. And, and this promise was not a physical birth promise. This wasn't like you're going to love your wife a whole lot and through that you're going to have descendants of, of all nations. It wasn't a physical birth being promised. It was a look ahead to the future of what God would do through Christ, through Abraham's life and family and descendants. It's a spiritual birth. That's what God is pointing to. It's what the author of Hebrews is reminding us of. It's what we see when we look at John 3. I tell you the truth, until you are born again of the Spirit. Nicodemus is saying, well, okay, I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. How do you go back and be born again in your mother's womb? And Jesus is just saying, no, it's not a physical birth. It's not just because you're born that that somehow makes everything good. It's when you are born again of the Spirit, when God takes out your old heart and gives you a new heart that beats for Him. It's, it's a work of God in our life. And, and this is what is being pointed to. This is, this is a, a fact of certainty. This is what our hope is rooted in, in this moment. God had this in view, Christ in view as a descendant of Abraham and that everyone who repents and believes in Christ would be an heir to the promises of Abraham. Paul says it, if you are Christ's, if you belong to Christ, then you're an, you're an offspring of Abraham, Galatians 3.29. You are heirs according to the promise. Heirs. All of what belongs to Christ belongs to you if you have turned to Christ and, and fled from your old life and, and turned to him. A spiritual birth through the power of God for all who believe. And this promise, this promise came with something else. It wasn't just a promise, it was an oath. It was an oath. Why not just a promise? Why two things? Verse 17, God also bound himself with an oath so that those who receive the promise, the promise is an inheritance. It's for those who believe and have put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That promise was given so that you can be perfectly sure, so that you can be certain that God would never change his mind. That's why a promise and an oath. And so, so by faith, 
By faith, Abraham waited patiently. It's a word for us here today to wait patiently by faith, rooted in his promise and an oath given by God. So God has given, verse, the first part of verse 18, God has given both his promise and his oath. They are unchangeable, permanent, immovable. There's nothing your feelings can do or say about it. There's nothing your circumstances are going to do to change what is immovable and permanent by God. Nothing. It's impossible for God to lie. And because it's impossible for God to lie, the second part of verse 18, so therefore, which means as a result of the promise, as a result of the fact that God has given an oath, and because God cannot lie, we who have fled to him, that's important, we who have fled from our old life, repented of our old life, and turned to him and are born again of the Spirit, those people who have fled to him, put our faith in the Son, have fled to him for refuge, refuge for help, for strength in the times that are uncertain where we don't know what's ahead. God is a refuge. And so we can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us, lies ahead of us. We can hold to it. We can lay hold to this hope. We can have a deep confidence that what we have fled to, what we've turned to, what we've run to, we can, we can bank on it. We can trust in it. We don't have to worry. That's why we don't grieve like, like those who don't believe grieve. We believe because we have hope for our souls. The hope and the anchor is not for your feelings. It's not for our circumstances. Those things are going to change constantly. When you leave here, you will doubt yourself. You're going to doubt the things that I said in this moment, the things that God is saying to you. We have an anchor. We who have fled to him have an anchor and we can lay hold to it and trust it and be secure in it. We can be satisfied in the midst of uncertainty. This hope, verse 19, is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Another translation says, it's sure, it's steadfast. It doesn't move around, it doesn't change. Your feelings are not sure. Your feelings will lie to you. What you think is happening may not be really happening. The anchor is for our soul, for our whole being, for our whole lives, for our whole futures, to give us a, a promise and a hope. The encouragement in this uncertainty is that we have hope. We have something that is certain. An anchor, think of an anchor. It's this huge piece of iron and steel and it digs into the, to the bedrock and to the, the bottom of the ocean, the seabed, and it keeps the largest of ships from moving off or drifting away. And, the, and though that ship may sway from side to side or up and down, and if you were on that ship, you may be sick to your stomach. Let me be honest. I have been sick to my stomach this week, this last two months, this is hard. This doesn't make sense. But this makes sense. The word of God makes sense. And I can hold to this as an anchor. I can hold to it. I can run to him. I can be slow to speak. 
and quick to pray. May we do that today. May we do that. An anchor dug into the bedrock. You may feel sick and you may be unsure, but that anchor that's dug in, it's not going anywhere. And so you may blow back side to side. And the author of Hebrews wants us to know that we're not anchored to the seabed. We're not anchored to the ocean floor. We're not anchored to a church building. We are not anchored to a pastor. We are not anchored to our spouses. We are not anchored to money or a job or position or feelings. We are anchored to the bedrock of Christ. That is what we are, we are grounded in. That is our anchor. That is what we are anchored to. And the anchor, the hope that we have that's anchored to the bedrock of Christ, it leads us, verse 19, it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary, behind the curtain, behind the veil, into the holy of holies. What's that place? The place where God himself and the presence of God is. It's the place that was, that was torn open at the cross where a way was made for you to, to be in Christ and with God and anchored to hope that you did not have before. And all the years of sacrificing and, and, and blood atonements, all the things that through history made us okay with Christ, there's only one sacrifice that is sufficient and effective for us, and that is the, 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 the commitment and the sacrifice and, that Christ offered, and that is what we are anchored to. It's what we hold fast to. It's sturdy and strong and anchored in a promise and a hope. And we must lay hold to it, friends. We must lay hold to it. And all of it is possible. It's all possible because of Christ, because he's the front runner. He's the high priest. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Goes beyond friendship. It goes beyond what we do here on Sunday. If you come here on Sunday because you want to hear what I or others have to say, there, there's a, there's, that plays a part. Public worship and praise to worship the one alone who's worthy is important. Fellowship and community to come together but anchored in Christ is important. Public proclamation and declaring of the word is important. But you must flee to Christ, run to Christ, be anchored in Christ. Because without that, you have no hope. You have no hope if you're not anchored in Christ. If Christ is not your Lord and Savior, if you've come here and, and you're unsure of your anchor, you're unsure of where your hope is, if your hope was in the person that stands here, don't leave until you anchor yourself to Christ. That's what we're anchored in. That's what I want to plead with you about this morning. Help us in these moments, Lord. Help us. Jesus has made a way where there was no way. Hebrews 11, 1. Faith is confidence, not uncertainty. It's confidence in what we hope for. It's assurance for what we do not see. And you will not see all things and will not understand all things in these moments. You will not. I do not. And I am closer to it than anyone. But we have hope. The church has hope. God's people have hope. You are God's people if you have fled to him for your refuge. If you have chosen Christ 
If you are anchored in Christ, then the promise belongs to you. And so, friends, Jesus is going to build his kingdom. He's going to build his kingdom. He's invited us. He's going to build his kingdom in your life, in your family's life, in your marriage, in your children. He's going to build his life. And our, our responsibility is to hold fast and to trust him, to believe in him, and to turn to him in these moments. It's to press into life groups in these moments. It's to be slow to speak. Why do I say slow to speak? Because the temptation when we are clinging to clarity as our hope and answers as our hope, the temptation is to, is to, is to talk. It's to, it's to see clarity. It's to, it's to understand. And sometimes the only thing to understand is what God promises in his word. Sometimes that's all we got is to lay hold to that. So be slow to speak and be quick to pray. The worship team is going to make its way back out. And as we close, we're going to, we're going to sing. We're going to worship the God who alone is worthy. We're going to worship Christ together because he alone is worthy. And it's not about the walls that are here. And I don't have the answers for what's ahead, but I do know that whatever we do, there's nothing more precious to us than the gospel. There's nothing. There's nothing. And so, so may God help us all. May God... May God help us. May he, may he draw us and bind us together in perfect love, making allowances for each other. Do you hear me? Making allowances for each other, standing on the word, full of grace and full of truth. But may we be bound together by perfect love for one faith and one hope for one God. And that's my plea with you this morning, that Christ, Christ this is his church, and we are his bride. You are his bride if you have fled from him. And so as prayer team members will come, and as we sing, if you're here today and you've never given your life to him, to the one who alone is worthy, the one who made a way where there was no way for you, let your old life go. Repent and believe in him who made a way for you, that, that has gone our high priest, our forerunner, who's gone on ahead of us, a once and for all sacrifice that we can be sure of. Don't leave today if you haven't done that. For those of you that have questions, be slow to speak and quick to pray. We'll be here. We'll pray with you. We're with you. We love you. Um, let's trust God for what's ahead. He is our hope. And so, Father, in this moment, as, as we're going to sing to you, the one who alone is worthy, we let go of all of what we know, all of who we are, all of who we will ever be, and we submit ourselves to you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you. This is your church, and we trust you. We trust you when we, when we don't know what else to do. We can sing to you when we're uncertain because in you there is certainty and there's hope, and you are our anchor and so anchor us to the word and to the gospel and to, you, to who you are. And we look to you in these ways. Send us out now. Protect us in the moments ahead when doubt comes and Satan tries to lie. Cover us. Protect us. Bind us together in perfect love. We ask these things. Help us now to sing before we would leave that we would sing to you because you're worthy, Jesus. We pray these things in your name, the matchless name of the Father, God, we pray to you, and Christ the Son, 
who made a way where there was no way, and to the Holy Spirit who groans for us and ministers to us and who hovers over this place in this day. We ask you now for your grace and your peace. Jesus, we love you. Let's sing to the one who is worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you. We love you.